Momentum Podcast, helping you develop a partner network that enables ministry to happen. And welcome to the Momentum Podcast. My name is Daryl Parsons, and I'm really happy to have Naomi Vandevish joining me again today. How are you doing, Naomi? I'm pretty good, thank you. Yeah, I uh, love uh, that you are back with me. Sometimes I have to do this by myself. Well, I shouldn't say by myself because I do usually have a guest. That's true. Because if I was talking to myself, <laughs> that would actually be kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> although I have kids, so sometimes I do feel like I'm talking to myself. Now you mentioned it. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Naomi, um, you and I, as in, in, in our roles, uh, have, have spent a lot of time coaching staff through partner development, but mm-hmm. we've had to do partner development ourselves, obviously, as part of YFC. Yes, exactly. And a, a while back, you were telling me uh, about your uh, kind of a little push that you needed to put on to um, increase your support level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said some things about that experience that kind of resonated with me and and really resonate with the topic that we wanted to chat about today kind of around uh some of the feelings of anxiety that came up when it was time to start contacting people um oh yeah yeah and even though you're an experienced support raiser and coach how was that for you um it it was very interesting. I did all my prep work. I had written everything out. I had um, a list of people I had sent my letter out to. And the minute I had to pick up the phone, my heart rate skyrocketed and I had to focus on breathing. I pulled out my favorite verse about, you know, God gives us a spirit of, doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. And I um, (laughs) picked up the phone and called people and my script went out the window. I didn't, like, it's it's just a funny thing because my feelings um, got in the way, especially the first few phone calls. I kind of went, all over the place and I, I really felt like it was it was that feeling of just feeling anxiety and mm. I'm just in reflection on it I was thinking I don't often pick up the phone to call people even even close friends I'll send them a text and say hey can we chat mm-hmm. and it's that like that feeling of like not giving them time to call me back when they have time and mm-hmm. not calling them in the middle of something didn't want to interrupt you know I'm feeling kind of like intruding on the earth the the space. So I just, I definitely felt anxious when picking up that telephone. And it's very funny. Yeah, I I can relate. I have, you know, prepared letters and that's always the easy part for me is mm-hmm. to write a letter. But I, I've had those moments of getting ready to kind of initiate a conversation where they feel almost a little bit white knuckle, you know, like the heart rate goes up and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, uh, and, and, and it's... It's a challenge that I think a lot of us face when we're working mm-hmm. on our partner development. And, um, you know, perhaps we have this uh, inherent kind of um, we have this inherent kind of idea that we really just need to push through, you know, like to oh. soldier on to 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 
put on her big boy pants and, and get her done. You know, those kind of thoughts that go through, yeah. um, at least go through my mind <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, and, and you and I have talked enough about this and, uh, and, and, you know, chatted enough with other people about it that we thought it would be incredibly helpful to bring somebody into the podcast conversation who is actually uh, an expert and uh, to that end, we're very pleased to have Anne-Marie Covert join us. Now, some of you will have, you may know Anne-Marie, you may have heard her at SI, or uh, she was recently part of uh, our YFC Nevertheless uh, Mental Health Retreat. Uh, Anne-Marie, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really honored to be part of this. I am. We're glad, like super glad you're here. <laughs> And mm-hmm. um, and I called you an expert in anxiety, not to Im- kind of <laughs> imply that you have tons of anxiety, so you're very knowledgeable. Uh, but may I don't know, maybe you do. How <laughs> how would you? Uh, maybe you should kind of introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are. Sure. And let me please start by saying that I love YFC. So all you folks that are listening, like I just adore you. I think you do great work. And a lot of my friends are connected with YFC. Um, But yes, my name is Anne-Marie. I am a social worker and I love Jesus. Uh, I've worked in the mental health field for about 14 years. I currently am a program manager at a mental health organization. And I also have a private practice where I support people um, and provide counseling support. So good. So that's so like that's one of the reasons why we were like who could we get to help us and it's like hey <laughs> somebody who loves YFC and gets mm-hmm. you know uh and gets mental health understands it you know uh, mm-hmm. as well as you do plus you bring uh the perspective of faith into the conversation right cuz mm-hmm. i don't know sometimes it feels like feels like those things don't integrate well um, yes i'm sad to say and uh yeah, thank you. Just thank you so much for uh, for for being present with us today. So, um, I don't know, Naomi. Do you want to get things started? I just feel like sure. we're going to jump. Uh, like this Let's is a dive diving right board. In. Yeah, real plunge here. <laughs> yeah. So you know, as we're describing our feelings about these phone calls that we make and and these meetings that we have with people and the anxiety we feel, is that normal? Is it normal to feel anxious when yeah. we're asking Am potential partners? Am I normal? Please tell me. You know, that's such a good question because honestly, normalizing anxiety could be one of the ways that we help to actually alleviate some of the anxiety. Because if think, people think something's wrong mm. with them, um, you know, if they want to fight that feeling because it feels really uncomfortable, that can actually make anxiety worse. Mm. Um, so please let me just normalize that we all experience anxiety. Uh, We all experience some level of discomfort. And um, if we normalize it, if we can come to a place of sort of accepting it a little bit, what that does is it helps us not become anxious about anxiety because Mm -hmm. that actually, that's a thing. (laughs) And it can actually make the cycle um, more problematic and more difficult. What I like to tell people actually is that anxiety can actually be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I actually believe that Anxiety is a God-given emotion to a certain extent. It's the, the fight or flight response. It, it prepares us for battle. It prepares us um, for something that involves a lot of effort. Um, if we were in danger, it would keep us safe. And when it comes to things like studying for a test, preparing for an interview, or calling partners for support, it can mm. help us focus. It can motivate us to prepare and to, to do a good job. So in some ways, anxiety could actually be a gift. And if we see it that way, 
sometimes that can help relieve some of the discomfort and help us as we navigate the anxious feelings. Hmm. I got to be honest, yeah. it doesn't always feel like a gift. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. I'm not sure I ever would have used that language. So yes. when you say normalize, so what, what does it look like to normalize something like anxiety? Yeah, so really understanding um, that it's not something to be afraid of, you know, understanding what it is, what what is anxiety, which is it's a fight or flight response. It's it's a physiological reaction in our body. Because um, sometimes when people have anxiety, they actually feel like something really bad is about to happen. Sometimes people feel like they're going to die. Like it can feel pretty threatening. Hmm. And to under, understand that it's actually um, a somewhat natural occurrence happening in their body, that can make it so that instead of becoming this cycle of getting worse, it kind of comes over them like a wave and then it passes. So normalizing it, understanding what it really is, accepting it to a certain extent can hmm. help it pass more quickly hmm. than, if we, than if we try to fight it. Okay, cool. I am, um, when you're speaking about it, I have this, the verse that comes to mind is, um, do not be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. So I wonder about the, the feeling, you said feeling of fear. Mm -hmm. I also have a feeling of guilt. Mm. I feel guilty that I have anxiety or that I'm yes. anxious because that's not scriptural. I'm supposed to not be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up. Sorry, continue. Yep. No, no. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm a bit off script here, but like that's what that came to mind as you're talking about that feeling that comes over you. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you, you feel fearful, but also that that guilt that we come with as Christians, as, mm -hmm. we, as we enter into this as a, as a believer, you go, I, I'm not supposed to feel this mm -hmm. way. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Naomi, because yeah, like uh, that's Philippians 4, uh, I think verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. Yeah. Uh, and and mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've struggled with that a little bit too. I am so glad you brought that up, honestly, because I, I counsel a lot of Christians and that is a theme that comes up. There's this shame and this um, self-stigma, this, 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 this guilt people feel for having these, what we, what we normally consider a negative emotion. So we consider anxiety mm -hmm. to be a negative emotion. It feels unholy. It feels like I don't have enough faith. Um, exactly. And I really work with Christians to suggest that in truth, we actually see anxiety all over the Bible. Um, you know, a third of the Psalms are actually lamenting Psalms that are filled with what we would probably call depression or anxiety. And and David, who wrote a lot of those, is a man after God's own heart. And I actually believe that God wants us to process our emotions, that he actually invites that. And when we label it as unholy, we don't bring it to him and, and we, we stuff it. We try to compensate with a scripture. Um, and as beautiful as those scriptures are, if we deny our emotions, we can actually make them worse. And we can actually give them more power over our life than what the intention is versus mm -hmm. recognizing this is okay. It doesn't mean I'm a bad Christian. This is a normal part of the human experience. And I'm going to bring this to God and process it with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I have thought a lot, lot, a lot about Philippians 4 uh, because mm. of this. And I, I believe that we actually probably are not interpreting the verse correctly if we read it as, you know, do not be anxious about anything, mm -hmm. full stop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and yep. take it like as, a, as an imperative, right? Where what I think it actually is saying is do not be anxious about anything, but 
in everything through mm-hmm. prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Present your requests to God. And I think mm-hmm. that's actually what you just said. I think it actually is an in Philippians 4 is actually an invitation to bring yes. that to the Lord and sit mm-hmm. with it, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. and actually process it with him. Absolutely. I think there's always that invitation to come before the throne with all the stuff that we're carrying hmm. instead of trying to put on a brave face. Like if my little boy is struggling and he's frustrated, like I want him to sit with me, sit on my lap. I want to help comfort him. I don't ever get him in trouble for struggling for, hmm. you know, for even hmm. if, even if it's a full blown tantrum, <laughs> yep. we, you know, we let him process it. He needs to. And even as adults, we need to be able to process things. I think our father is good and invites us to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Now we get good parenting advice along with this. I love it. <laughs> I'm just learning. He's Let only your two. Your kids process emotions, guys, everyone. <laughs> yep. Give them space. Yep. Give them yep. space. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were, you were talking about how anxiety can be helpful to us. And um, maybe that's news to us, which is good. Good news. <laughs> um, but so how do we manage, ma- manage these feelings of anxiety to help us to motivate our work rather than to hinder it? It's a great question. And I think one of the first ways that we can use anxiety in a helpful way so that it's not hindering us is to actually channel it into healthy things. So like I said, anxiety can help us prepare. It can help us focus. It makes an increase of adrenaline in our body, which gives us energy. And that can help us, you know, take the time we need and have the energy to do the research we need to do to prepare and be organized. Um, We can channel it into to exercise, other healthy um, lifestyle changes. So anxiety can be useful in that way, in terms of how we use it. And then also anxiety can be a flag or an indicator of something else going on. All of our emotions tell us something. You know, if I'm Mm. feeling depressed, that's telling me something. If I'm feeling anxious, it's telling me something. So listening to it and and sort of digging deeper about what might be going on. You know, do I have too much on my plate? Often anxiety is an indicator that we're overwhelmed and we just literally have too much going on. Mm. Um, Is there something I'm believing that might be unhealthy about myself, about other people, about God? It's good to listen to it rather than just try to suppress it and avoid it because it is telling us something. Mm. And that's good. Yeah. And I would, I I feel like when it comes to, partner development in particular, mm-hmm. there are a lot of times when that anxiety is rooted in um, maybe an incorrect or, you know, unhelpful view of God or the people that we're reaching out to as potential partners, mm-hmm. how they might react, you know. Like, it's like we create this narrative sometimes that's like really negative, like, they're going to hate me. They're going to slam the door in my face. They're, mm-hmm. they're never, they're not going to be my friend anymore. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I'm just reading Brené Brown and she is saying, what is the story I'm telling myself right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find that a helpful question. Yeah. And it sounds to me like too, in order to do this kind of well, like, you know, if you're going to channel, it does require a certain amount of planning or preparation, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. cause you know, like it seems to be a common experience sometimes if you're sitting in your, you know, sitting in your office, getting ready to make phone calls and you feel nervous and anxious about making the calls, uh, it just feels like it's 
oh, wow, you start looking around and gosh, this place is a mess and uh, I can't work. I just got to clean this place up so I can focus. And uh, what you end up with is, you know, days spent in MPD where you don't make a single <laughs> phone call, but you have the cleanest <laughs> office, you know, and, and so that, you know, is not so much channeling as it is perhaps uh, distraction. Diverting, diverting your anxiety. <laughs> Avoidance. Avoidance, that's the yeah. word I was looking for. Avoidance. Yes. Yeah. So, so there is a difference between productive channeling and avoidance, I guess, is what I think I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. And, you know, avoidance is what makes anxiety worse. We call it safety behavior. So uh, we all have safety behaviors that we use to avoid difficult things. So, you know, cleaning my room instead of doing my homework is a safety behavior. Um, staying at home and watching TV instead of going to a social function is a safety behavior. Mm. And procrastination can be a safety behavior. And in the, in the short term, that helps alleviate anxiety. In the long term, it makes anxiety worse because the more you avoid what makes you anxious, the more anxious you will be about it. Mm-hmm. So one of the coping skills, when I talk to people about some coping skills for anxiety, because it's good to have a toolkit, one of them is to avoid avoidance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that. Avoidance. <laughs> Yes. Mm. When you when you notice yourself, it's good to have awareness of what our safety behaviors are, what our avoidance tactics are. And if you notice it, to actually make the conscious decision to avoid avoidance. Um, it sounds, I know it's easier said than done, but it is with, with practice, we can actually do a lot of these things. Um, so it's sometimes it's just being aware and catching ourselves and then being very intentional because of the goals we have. So if my goal is to work for YFC, to raise support, I need to keep that in mind and then remind myself of my coping strategies so that I can achieve that goal. So I need to avoid avoidance, even though I'm so tempted to just make a bag of popcorn and watch a movie right now. Mm. I'm going to do my goal. I'm going to do the top three things I had on my list today. I'm going to call those people and I'm going to be one step closer to that desired outcome. Mm. So the idea of taking note of those behaviors you do mm-hmm. when you're avoiding things, mm-hmm. like what is it you do scroll through Facebook on your phone <laughs> for an hour or do you, um, yeah, grab a bag of popcorn and watch Netflix. So I guess it's pay attention to those behaviors. And then when you see you doing that, ask the question, like why, what's happening here? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, self, self-insight is probably half the battle. Mm. And so you're developing self-insight when you start to recognize your patterns. You know, for me, maybe it's um, sometimes I work too hard, I get a little overwhelmed, then I take sick days. And if I start to notice I'm taking a lot of sick days, that to me is an indicator, okay, maybe maybe I'm not doing so good and I need to do some self-care. I need to start saying no to some things and set some boundaries. Mm. We, all, we all have things when we start to develop self-insight into them that can help us as we move forward and start to grow and to heal. Hmm. So in addition to uh, avoid avoidance, Mm -hmm. what are some other coping strategies that we might be able to employ? Yeah, I'd love to share some. Uh, I I love to try and equip people with toolkits because we all have these emotions. They're a natural part of life. Um, and we want to prevent them from disrupting our life in a negative way. So, uh, in addition to avoid avoidance, um, one is to learn to accept some anxiety. So sort of like we've been talking about to accept that it's a normal part of life, um, and to embrace our emotions, give it space to feel it. 
um, instead of fighting it, treat it like a wave. Mm -hmm. So when we accept some anxiety, uh, if you feel that anxiety coming upon you, instead of fighting it, instead of thinking something's wrong, just let it come over you like a wave and then pass over you. Um, and what will happen is you'll notice the emotion actually dissipates more quickly than if you struggle against it. So just accepting some level of anxiety can be a healthy healthy coping strategy. Um, another one is to actually... Be prepared, but not over-prepared. I was thinking about coping skills specifically related to support raising. And sometimes when we over-prepare, we become anxious because we kind of get caught up in our head. Am I saying the right thing? Am I following my script? Um, am I doing all these right steps? And that can create some anxiety, especially when it doesn't go as planned. Like even, you know, with our podcast today, if we go off script uh, and I get focused on that, I'm going to forget what I'm going to say because it's actually going to switch off the frontal lobe of my brain versus okay, I'm prepared, but it's okay if it doesn't go exactly to plan. So be prepared, but not over-prepared. I'm smiling, Naomi. Do you know why? <laughs> girl is fully smiling because I, when we started doing podcasts, I'd be like, we need a script. We need to read <laughs> Who's going to ask what question? And, and he's like, no, we're not going to do this. I'm like, no, we need a script. <laughs> I hear you, Naomi. I hear you. Do not do this to me. Anyways, I've gotten better. Yes. And you know what? I'm still improving. I think I went off script and got a little confused for a moment too, but well, that's okay. It's, fun it's, like, it's like thinking about what that actually, the way you explain that, what it actually is doing stuff in your brain, right? Like, yeah. Mm, yeah. So good. Any other things we could throw in the toolbox? Yeah. Uh, this one, people often look at me a little funny when I say it, but I'm going to put it out there. Reef frame your anxiety as excitement. Hmm. So to your body, the same thing is actually occurring physiologically when you have anxiety as when you are excited about something. You know, have you ever been excited and your heart started to race and you started to get a jumpy feeling? That's what anxiety also hmm. feels like. But we frame it as a negative. So then the fear kicks in and it becomes worse. So for example, one time I was preparing for a talk and I started to feel incredibly anxious. Um, and I knew it was helpful because it was helping me be prepared, but it was starting to feel like a bit too much and that can happen. And so I told myself, actually, I'm really excited to do this. Honestly, it was like flipping a switch. And I started to really anticipate it in an excited way. And I had a blast giving that presentation. And so if we start to reframe anxiety, it starts to lose power. Um, and that can be a really helpful technique, especially when doing things like giving a speech or calling partners. Like, I'm really excited to connect with this person that I haven't talked to in five years versus the, the negative uh, frame of, oh, you know, I haven't talked to them in so long. I don't know if this is going to go well. Do you see that difference? I love that. Hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. It's reframing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That same feeling of the heart racing when you're going on stage um, could give you the energy that you need, right? Or mm -hmm. make you stage, you know, give you stage fright. So it's, um, yeah, that's mm. great. Especially picking up that telephone or making those, those phone calls. I'm excited mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. connect with people. I love that. So yeah, good. you know, the Bible says as a, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're training ourselves to think differently about these emotions than we normally would. You know, if I think I'm excited, I'm more likely to be excited than if I think something's bad's going to happen and I'm going to fail. Hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. Another, another thing that I like to encourage people to do when they're feeling anxious is to do some deep breathing. Again, it sounds simple, but it actually has a tremendous physiological response to our body. 
So anxiety is fight or flight. It's our sympathetic nervous system kicking into gear, getting ready for battle. And a lot of stuff happens in our body when that happens. Our heart beats faster, blood goes to our extremities so we could run if we had to. Lots of cortisol, lots of adrenaline being released. And deep breathing takes us out of this sympathetic nervous system into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and recovery response. It's our peace response. That's how I remember it. Para for peace. So Mm. our parasympathetic nervous system by deep breathing is going to tell our brain there's nothing wrong. We're okay. And we'll start to feel more at rest. And I encourage people don't just do this when you're anxious, do it when you're not anxious, because it's like building a muscle. You're building that peace muscle in your body So that when you do feel anxious, you can more quickly go to that state of rest because your body is used to it. You're training your brain to recognize, oh, when I deep breathe, it means nothing's wrong. Cool. Let's do a deep breathing demo. Take us through it. How do we do it? (laughs) I have been using this tool a lot recently Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's been a busy season. And um, when I notice my heart rate, I literally just take that deep breath. Um. I guess there are different ways of doing it. And there's another um, tool, sort of a spiritual formation tool that I found helpful is, um, I don't know if it has a name, but maybe, (laughs) 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 you know, putting a verse or um, something to the breath. So, you know, um, do not be anxious. I think you're. Yeah. The breath prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just in that, in that moment, taking the time to, to refocus our, mm-hmm. our, our thoughts on Jesus at the t- same time mm-hmm. as, as breathing. And I found that mm-hmm. very helpful tool for me. Yeah. That, that can be incredibly helpful because what you're doing is you're meditating. You know, mm-hmm. the Bible, the Bible mm-hmm. talked about meditation long before psychology picked up on it. Mm-hmm. And when we meditate, we actually um, involve different parts of our brain. Like if you were to do a scan of your brain when you're praying or meditating, it's going to show different areas highlighted than what would be if you weren't doing that. And it's, it's, it's helpful because it starts to rewire our thinking. So when you're meditating on those beautiful promises in the Bible, you are actually rewiring your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We do that when we meditate on truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I will confess, I come from a tradition that isn't good at stuff like that. And, mm. and I've been learning a lot recently, uh, uh, and, and trying to put things into practice like um, centering prayer mm. and, and boy, it's hard work, but I, I, I think it, it brings, yeah, I think it does bring, um, brings more to bear than I think I was ever, yeah, I think more than I imagined. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I never yeah, thought you know, about we, it in terms of support raising, but now you've got my mind off in that direction. Mm. <laughs> I think with support raising, I was thinking about it the other day. I have a lot of friends who support raise because my network of friends is a lot of YFC people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that when something makes us anxious, sometimes what it does is it actually up, um, it actually exposes some core beliefs that we have. So when we go through something that's uncomfortable, these core beliefs we have that might be problematic, may be negative, kind of get exposed. Like, am I good enough? You know, do people like me? Am I worthy of love? Is God pleased with me? Um, and and cognitive behavioral therapy is how we would address some of those things in counseling, which is changing our thoughts, our feelings, and our behavior, and getting to that root belief, which is the core belief, and readjusting it. And when we meditate, when we um, think on truth, that can help us readjust our core 
beliefs. So it's, it's helpful in so many ways. It can help with the immediate feelings of anxiety, help us bring us calm, but it can also help with those core belief issues. You know, if I feel unworthy, that's going to affect my interactions with people. I'm not going to feel good enough to call them and ask for money because I, I question the call of God on my life or I question, am I worth them giving their money to pay for my salary? But meditating on who I really am in Christ can help me um, to grow in that area. Mm. And the benefit of that is really long-term healing and growth in my life. It's not just going to help for my job with YFC. It's going to help me in my ministry, help me in my relationships with others. Mm. Mm. This so is good. so rich. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, we could just keep going. This is awesome. Have Have we hit all of the tools? I don't want to miss any of these. I I do think I have another question. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe just one more that I could add um, is focus on being present. Because I again I'm just picturing what it would be like to to call up commu- uh, partners uh, to to get some support, and again getting caught up in our head, thinking what's the next thing I'm going to say. Uh, worried what they're thinking when I'm speaking, all of that takes us out of the present moment. And anxiety is usually fear of the future. Um, and so if we can get back to the present, we're going to have a more authentic, genuine interaction with that person, and you're going to enjoy it more. And they're going to enjoy it more because they're going to get the real you as opposed to someone who is maybe um, sort of uh, not fully connecting because they can't, because when we're in our head, we actually can't fully connect with the person with us. Hmm. So be, focus on being the present. Remind yourself that it's okay, that you're safe. I'm in the here and now, and I'm with this person. I'm enjoying speaking to them, and I trust that God is going to use this for good. Hmm. That's great. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I hmm. think we are getting sort of near the end of time. So, Daryl, yep. you had that, that one last question. Maybe I, I, it'll I be think our, so. Our it it may be like a two-part question, but uh, <laughs> I think it's important. I feel like this is really important. Uh, so, yes. Uh, you know, it's so helpful to have normalized anxiety a little bit, but there mm-hmm. is a place on mm-hmm. the spectrum where anxiety crosses a line that that becomes very unhelpful. Like, is unhealthy a good word to use to describe it? Something that uh, is is more than what we've talked about already. Yes, I call it unhelpful or unhealthy anxiety. I use both. Okay. So mm-hmm. what what would be what would be some of the indicators that your anxiety maybe has crossed that line and uh, maybe a few ideas of resources or things that we might uh, be able to recommend to people if you think that that is possibly where you're at? Yeah, I like to leave people with simple keys because none of us are, you called me an expert at the beginning, but really none of us are experts and it's hard to know all the information. But the key that I give people, how do you know your anxiety is unhelpful, unhealthy, is the word disruption. So is it disrupting your life? Hmm. We all have it. We all have uh, moments where it impacts us, but is it preventing my ability to get out of bed in the morning? Is it causing me sleeping problems? Uh, am I no longer able to concentrate? Am I having excessive worry in every area of our li- my life? Am I irritable and agitated? So is the anxiety disrupting my life? Hmm. Um, so in, in the context we've been talking about, you know, not calling community partners is one thing, but if that anxiety sort of bleeds into other areas of my life, affecting my ability to function, then I would say maybe we've got some unhelpful, unhealthy anxiety happening. And again, that's really common. In fact, anxiety uh, challenges, anxiety disorders is one of the most common mental health issues that people face. Hmm. And there's a lot of help out there. 
Um, so I encourage you, if that is you, if you're someone there saying, you know what, I think my anxiety is more than just calling up community partners. I think, I think I've got an anxiety uh, difficulty that's affecting more areas of my life. To look at it as an opportunity for healing and growth, um, you know, try not to have self-stigma or shame because that makes us isolate and avoid reaching out. And there are a lot of resources um, locally, wherever you live. If you live in Canada, I can I can speak from experience. There are there are mental health resources that are free in pretty much every region of our country. And um, if you do a simple Google search for your area, you can find some of those. Usually there are community-based agencies. I work at one of those. I work at one called the Canadian Mental Health Association and we're all over Canada. And then there's other organizations as well. And then hospitals often have mental health programs. They do groups or sometimes you can meet with a counselor also free. Um, there's private counseling available. And sometimes if you have benefits at your work that can help with coverage. There's a lot of really good uh, web-based resources too. So for example, if you live in Ontario, there's something called Bounce Back Ontario, and it's a free uh, self-help mental health program to help with anxiety and depression. They've got videos and workbooks, and you can connect with a coach online to, to guide you through that process. And then I'm also aware that YFC, you have some resources for your folks, don't you? Isn't that right? Yeah, we have depending on your chapter and your benefits package. Uh, you may have access to things and within YFC, there are uh, some resources available if you would like to you know, reach out and speak to somebody about, uh, about anything uh, that, that is causing a difficulty. Uh, you can feel free to get in touch with us and we'll, uh, we'll uh, very, be very happy to point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's great that you, honestly, my experience is you are a very mental health friendly organization. I've been so honored to speak at SI for the last four years and, and today with this podcast, um, I really think it's amazing how much you support uh, your staff. Mm. Well, we're so grateful for your, your wisdom mm -hmm. and um, just what you had to bring to, to the table today and there's so much to think about. I'm thinking maybe it'd be good to, to pop some of those resources maybe into the description of the podcast so that, that they're mm -hmm. available. And yes, do reach out um, to us at, at, maybe if you wanted to reach out to Momentum at yfc.ca or even hr at yfc.ca and I can put you in touch with some, some references that we have available as staff. Um, but thank you so much, yeah. Emery. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you very so much. This was, this was good. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. Take care.